Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. Five of a series we've called For Your Good. My wife and I spoke together last week and jumped back into this series. We were out of the series for a couple of weeks around Father's Day and while we were going on the mission trip, things like that. But uh, we're talking about the Holy Spirit in this series. And each week we're looking at this verse, and I want to look at it again today. It's in John chapter 16, verse 7. It's what this, ver- or this verse is where uh, the title of this series came from. It says, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good. Somebody say, for your good. Come on, say it like you're awake at the 1045 service. Come on, say, for your good. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus is saying it's for your good that the Holy Spirit's going to come. It's for your good that I go away because I want to send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not just going to be with you, but he's going to be in you. And so we need to know who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. And so we've talked about the power and we've talked about freedom, the importance of giving him control of our lives. We've talked about how he's our helper. Last weekend we talked about catching his wind, that the actual word for, for breath or wind is the same word for spirit in the Bible. And so when you see that, it's like this, you know, this wind in your sails. And so we talked about not rowing anymore, but actually raising our sails and catching the wind of the Holy Spirit in our lives, following him. And today we're going to be back in Galatians chapter 5. We were there a few weeks ago uh, for one of our points when I was talking to you about freedom. Today we're going to be there for another purpose. But I want to start in verse 13, and we're going to go all the way to verse 26. So you can follow along. If you have a Bible, you can, you can do that, or you can follow along on the screen. But this is what Paul writes. He says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Now, I just want to pause here for a moment and talk about the importance of this one verse. We could preach an entire message on this one verse where Paul says, it's interesting to me, he says, if you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed, not by your enemy, but by each other. Whenever we become so focused on each other and biting and devouring each other, we end up destroying each other. And I think sometimes the enemy just sits back and watches us implode from the inside because we are biting at each other and devouring each other. And Paul says, be careful, watch out, or you're going to be destroyed, not by your enemy. You're going to be destroyed by the things that you're doing to each other. You're going to be destroyed by each other. And he goes on, he says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the, spirit, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying one another. I love verse 25 because the NASB actually translated it. It says, since we live by the Spirit, let us follow 
the Spirit, right? What does it mean to keep in step? It means I'm following the Holy Spirit's lead. That's a lot of what we've been talking about in this series. But uh, the title of the message today, I want to I talk to you on this topic today, Check the Root. Check the Root. Um, we're going to be talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And to do that, I want to, I just have two things that I'm going to bring out. And we're going to spend um, quite a bit of time, especially on the first one, because I really want you to get this in your heart. I really want you to understand um, that what we see in Galatians 5 and the fruit that the Holy Spirit is wanting to produce in your life. So here's the first point. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Very important. Fruit comes from the root. Fruit comes from the root. Well, Pastor Gabe, you don't see fruit on the root. Oh, no, but fruit comes from the root. Well, Pastor Gabe, when I look at the tree, I see it on the limbs. I see it on the branches. Yeah, but those branches are connected to something that has a root system. And fruit actually comes from the root. Now, when you read through Galatians chapter 5, you see that there's this contrast. And I love this contrast because in all of the verses that we just read, you see where Paul is going from flesh to spirit, flesh to spirit, flesh to spirit. Here's the flesh, here's the spirit. Here's the flesh. Don't be led by the flesh, be led by the spirit. Don't, okay, if, like walk by the spirit. Don't. Here's what the flesh does, here's what the spirit produces. So there's this contrast back and forth between the flesh and the spirit. And here's what I see in this contrast. I see two different ways to live. I see a fleshly way to live. And then Paul talks about a spirit-led way to live. Not only do I see two different ways to live, I see two different outcomes. And you can look at this list. Paul gives two lists at the end of Galatians chapter 5. And he says, here's, if you live according to the flesh, here's the outcome. And if you live according to the spirit, here's the outcome. And so he's contrasting and he's saying, hey, as we talked about a few weeks ago, if you remember this, there's a conflict going on. The spirit and the flesh are in conflict with one another. And he says, whoever you decide to give in to, this is what will come out of your life. This is what you can expect. And I want to look at it again. Look at, we'll start just in verse 19. And then I want to talk about this for a moment. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual morality, impurity, debauchery, adultery, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, and dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before. In other words, I've already mentioned this before. But those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. He says, here is the acts of the flesh, but the fruit of the Spirit is this. You can have this or you can have this. And the first thing that I want you to notice in the first list um, is that these are things that, that the flesh does. Okay, Some translations would even say they are works of the flesh. I read out of the NIV, it says they are acts of the flesh. Some translations say the works of the flesh are this. And that's an interesting term to me. Because when I think about working to do something, anybody know that in order to you know, accomplish the desires of the flesh, you have to work at it, don't you? You have to work at it. You have to work. I was just jotting some things down that you have to work at committing sexual sin. Like, if this, is a, if this is a work of the flesh, you have to work. You have to get everything lined up. You have to make sure that, you know, everything is hidden just right. You have to make sure that behind the scenes everything's taken care of. I mean, like, you are working hard. Come on, anybody ever been there? Don't raise your hand, or you can raise your hand. I don't know. You can be honest at church. You had to work at it. I mean, there was some deceit. There was some, like, no, nah, you know, some lying. There was, like... I'm having to arrange things in my life to fulfill a desire, a fleshly desire that is inside of me. I'm working at it. You have to work at this. You have to work at hiding your sinfulness. You have to work at hiding it. 
Like, if you're trying to keep it from somebody, you have to work at it. I've got to delete the right thing. I've got to adjust the right thing. I've got to say the right thing. I've got to work at it. It's a work. It's an act of the flesh. You have to, you have to choose to lash out in anger, right? You have to work at causing division, dissension, division, all acts or works of the flesh. Listen, you have to work at it. You ever noticed this before? In order for you to cause division, you got to go talk to somebody. And you get over here and you got a couple people and you're talking about, it's like, did you see? Did you hear? Did you hear what was going on? Did you hear? And you ain't trying to help nobody. Don't pretend like you're trying to help somebody whenever you're over here talking about, you know, like, well, I just got an unspoken prayer request I need to tell my friends, but I'm going to speak it to them because I really want. No, you don't want them to pray. You just want to tell them the information that you have. Is this too real at church today? Some of y'all are offended already. That's all right. And then we get together over here and we're talking about something that's going on. And then we're like, you know what we need to do? We need to go let some other people know. We need to go let, like, whoo, we need to go let Sally know. And Sally, she knows a lot of people, so we need to go let Sally know. You have to work to cause division. You have to work at it. I'm going to go talk to this person, and they're going to go talk to that person. Then I'm going to go make sure that this person knows, and then I'm going to do this behind their back. And, like, it's work. You're acting it out. You have to work to cause division. In your own efforts, you have to work to do these things. That's why they're called works of the flesh or acts of the flesh. It's things that we do out of our sinful nature. We're living according to our old nature. But I think this is why some people are finally relieved when their sin is discovered or when they're no longer having to work so hard to seek it out and cover it up. Come on, you ever been in that place where you were relieved when something came out into the open? You ever, you ever been working with somebody, you know, walking with somebody through something, and it was like relief, like, whoo. I can breathe. Why is that? Because now you can be healed. And now you can be free. And now you can experience what God has for your life because now there's been light that has shined on the darkness. And I think this is why sometimes you see this. You see people that are just like, whew, there's just some relief. I'm no longer having to work so hard to do what my sinful nature wanted to do. Now I can actually live in freedom and I can be Healed, And when we think about sinful actions, I think about James chapter 1. James, the brother of Jesus, he said it this way, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. You know what James is saying? You look through all of these, these sinful actions in Galatians chapter 5 that Paul's mentioning. Where do these things come from? You know what James is saying? Most of the time, we're led away by our own evil desires. It's that I saw something, I wanted something, I pursued something, and it led to sin. Like, it was something inside of me that was a desire, it was a fleshly desire. It was that I didn't get up this morning and submit to the Holy Spirit in my life, so I started living and walking according to the flesh today, and it led me to, down this path. It led me to this. It's my own evil desires that they entice me, they drag me away, it leads to sin, which ultimately leads to death, and you know this, if you've... Come on, no, there's nobody in this room that has never sinned. Nobody. And if you've ever been caught up in sin, if you've ever been addicted to something that was sinful, you know this to be true. It will kill you from the inside out. It will eat you alive. And this is what James is saying, like, it's, it's our own evil desires. It's us living in the flesh that leads us down these paths. And then it turns in like, and then that desire turns into sin. It turns into an action, and that action leads to death. And we're eat up inside. 
because of it. So the fleshly things are things that we do. They're acts, they're works of the flesh. Here's the second thing that I want you to notice. Uh, the second list that we see that Paul writes in these verses, they're actually things that are produced simply by, check this out, who we are in Christ. So he says there are works of the flesh, but then there are some things that the Holy Spirit produces in your life because of your identity. Because you have allowed him, you have submitted to him, and your identity is in him. You are rooted, can we say that? You are rooted in him. And because of where your roots are, it's producing this fruit out of your life. And so it's because of who we are in Christ. These things are produced because of who we are at the root. They're not things that we have to strive after. It's just who we remain connected to. And I was thinking about, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, and I won't go through every single one of them, but I was thinking to myself, you ever been striving to love? You ever been just straining to love somebody? Come on, you know, like, I know I'm supposed to love them. You know, and you wake up in the morning, you're like, today, I'm going to love in Jesus' name, right? Like, I'm just, and you, like, you're sweating to try to love. Like, you are wearing yourself out trying to love. You know what you're trying to do? Can I submit this to you? Maybe, maybe. You're trying to produce something in your own life that you cannot produce. And you are not submitted to the Holy Spirit. You're submitted to the flesh, but you know that's what your life should look like. But because I'm submitted to the flesh, these things are coming out of my life, and I'm not experiencing this, but I know that's what I should look like, so I'm trying to muster up and I'm trying to manufacture love. You ever been, you ever been straining to be joyful? I mean, some of you this morning, it's like you came to church, you're like, yeah, I'm straining right now. It's like, we got here, kids, we're crazy. Couldn't get them in the car. We missed the first two worship songs. Bless God. I need some joy today. You ever been straining to be joyful? And you know, you know, I know that's what I should be. I, I should have joy. I hear it all the time. Joy, Lord, is my strength. I should have joy, but I don't have joy. So I need to manufacture joy. I need to try to make my own joy. Well, I'm, I'm supposed to have joy, so I better get it together. You ever woke up in the morning, and the first thing you said was like, all right, self, get it together. We need joy today. Could it be that you're trying to produce something and manufacture something that you cannot produce? You can't produce joy. You can't produce love. If you plant your roots in God, then check this out. Love is a result. When your root system is in the right place, when your root system is, when you're rooted in God, love is a result of where your roots are. When you are rooted in God, joy, joy is a result of where your roots are. You ever been straining to try to have self-control? We don't talk about self-control enough. You ever been straining to try to, like, uh, I know I should have self-control, but, uh, you know, and like, I keep doing what I shouldn't do, and I don't do what I should do, and, and, and I'm not fully submitted to the Holy Spirit in this area of my life, and so I know that I should have self-control, so I'm trying to manufacture self-control, but I can't manufacture self-control because I, don't, I am not the producer of self-control. The Holy Spirit is the producer of self-control. Can I just tell you today, if your roots are in the right place, if your roots are in God, self-control is a result. It's a fruit. And people will walk by you, and let's just pretend that we're all trees, all right? I would have you all stand up and just, you know, do your version of a tree, but that would be weird, okay? But let's pretend we're all trees. And somebody experiences you 
encounters you? What is it like when people experience you? That's a good question. That's another message for another day. What is it like when people experience you? And they, they see something and they're like, huh. I want them to see this. But isn't it work? Isn't it work to be a certain kind of tree and hold this mask up over you everywhere that you go? Like, I think I see some red fruit. Oh, no, I'm an orange. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. No, it's an orange tree. It's an orange tree. Here, let me give you an orange, you know. And everywhere you go, you're like holding this facade up. I know this is who I should. Like, I, they know I go to church, and I know this is who I should be. I know this is what my life should look like, and so I've got to produce something. I've got to manufacture something. I've got to, you know, draw on this little cardboard thing and put it up over me so that people will think that this is me, but really behind the scenes, I'm not submitted to the Holy Spirit. My roots are not in him, and so I'm not producing this in my life. Really, if they saw me behind the scenes, I would be on the other list. It's about, it's about submitting to the work that the Holy Spirit is doing in you, not manufacturing your own thing. When your roots are in God, the things of God, you're spending time in the Word, you're spending time in prayer. Come on, you're gathering. You ought to give yourself a hand. You gathered together in church today with other believers to worship and hear the word of God. And you're doing these things, and your roots are going deeper and deeper and deeper. The fruit is a byproduct of where your roots are. The roots are who you really are. Everything that's being produced on that tree is connected to the root system. And it's not the fruit on the tree. An apple on an apple tree doesn't make it an apple tree. Its roots make it an apple tree, and because it is an apple tree, it produces apples. And many of us are trying to go the other way around. Well, if I can produce this, produce this, maybe I'll feel closer to God. No, you need to, you need to seek the Lord and get an intimate relationship with him, and then the fruit will begin to produce out of your life. That's the way that it works. We're allowing him to do that. We, we don't strive, right? It's not, it's not this striving for peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and all of these things. And here's the great news about these qualities being called fruit and not works is that we get to allow the Holy Spirit to produce these things in our lives. And maybe you're wondering, well, why am I not seeing these things produced in my life? Like I've, I, I gave my life to Jesus. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I'm at church today. Why am I not seeing these things produced in my life? And I would submit to you, maybe, maybe it's because you're still in control of some area of your life. Maybe you're not seeing this fruit produced in that area of your life because you're still in control in that area of your life. Well, you're still, in, you're still trying to control your own joy. You're still trying to control your own peace. You're still trying to control your own patience. How's that going for you? You're still trying to control all of these things and manufacture and make sure that the setting is right and make sure that these are the people that are around you and make sure, and all of those things are great things. But you can't produce any of this fruit. This has to be produced by the one who lives inside of you. And many of us, listen, many of us are not seeing the fruit in our lives Because we have not submitted to the one who produces the fruit. And we're frustrated because we're not seeing the fruit. And listen, I got one message for you today. Submit to the Holy Spirit and you'll start to see the fruit. Give up control in that area of your life and that's when the fruit will start to come. But as long as you want to be in control, you're going to wear yourself out trying to produce the things that the Holy Spirit says, I can produce that in you. When your roots are in me, that will just come out of you. It will be who you are because you're rooted in me.
the fruit that is produced by the Holy Spirit is not based on anything other than who you are in Christ. Maybe you need to write this down as a reminder that we are not the producer of the fruit. The Holy Spirit is the producer of the fruit. We are not the producer of the fruit. The Holy Spirit is the producer of the fruit. Look at what Jesus said. This is a very, very famous passage of Scripture, and I want to look at two verses. It's in John 15. Jesus is having a conversation toward the end of his earthly life and ministry with his disciples, and he's teaching them some things, and he says this, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, as I was thinking about this, because we're all probably familiar somewhat with this passage of Scripture, and Jesus goes on to continue to talk about this with his disciples. Many of us, we have, we've heard this before, and we're like, okay, I know that I'm a branch and that he's the vine. I know that I'm a branch and he's the vine. And I felt like the Holy Spirit put it on my heart this way, that there are many of us that we know He's the branch, or that we're the branch and he's the vine. But we don't know that we're a branch and he's the vine. We know, oh yeah, I remember that. John 15 says that he's, he's the vine and I'm the branch. He's the vine and I'm the branch. He's the vine and I'm the branch. But when I get in this situation, I've got to manufacture my own thing. So we know that, I, I know that I'm a branch and he's the vine, but I don't know. And the difference is getting it from here to here. Oh, yeah, I know. I've read it, that he's, he's divine and I'm the branch. But let me tell you, the way, that, like, the way that I live my life, oh, no, I know. I know. I know that apart from him, I can do nothing. I know that I've got to stay connected to him because I've experienced what it's like to be disconnected from him. And my life went into destruction mode. I started to wither away. I don't just know this, I know it. We are the branches and fruit that is produced out of our lives is visible to others based on who we're connected to. It's about connection. It's about our root system. Your identity is found in who you're connected to and who's living inside of you, not what you try to manufacture and produce out of your own life. And many times... We're not rooted in an intimate relationship with God, so we get in environments where we try to make ourselves look like we're producing the right fruit. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus was talking about, he was talking about true and false prophets in the Bible. This is in Matthew chapter 7. And this is something that Jesus makes a statement of that I think is so powerful. Starting in verse 15, he says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes? from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. In other words, he's making a point. He's like, if you see a thorn bush, you're not going to find grapes. Like you're going you're gonna to be able to identify what that is by what's coming out of it. He goes on, he says, likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. And Jesus is saying, you can recognize who somebody is by the fruit that's coming out of their life. You just hang around somebody long enough to where they wear down and, and they can no longer hold that mask up 24-7. And you'll be able to identify them by the fruit that's being produced out of their life. 
This is what Jesus is saying. You're going to know them by the fruit, and the fruit comes from the root. So ultimately, when you see the fruit in somebody's life, you can see where their root system is. You can see where, where they're planted. You can see what's really most important and what's priority to them. Fruit that the Bible describes is produced, with, produced within us, not this outward expression. We could say it this way. This fruit isn't based on what you do. It's based on who you're connected to and who is in you. And I, I have this picture. Can we throw that picture up? This picture of an apple tree. Beautiful apple tree. We were in Jamaica. Um, and this isn't a picture from Jamaica before you start thinking that. But we were in Jamaica. And on the property, we were at this orphanage is where we, had our, we were serving mission trip. And uh, there was this apple tree. And in Jamaica, it, I don't know if you knew this or not. Maybe you did. But they actually call their apples Jamaican apples whenever they're speaking to Americans because it's a different apple. It's a different shape. It almost is shaped like a pear. Um, it's, it's, it's weird. Like it's a different shape and it's a completely different texture and it's a different taste when you're, when you're in Jamaica. And there was this, we would walk out, we would show up on the property and there was this apple tree there and you'd see the kids before they went to school in the mornings, they would be there. And sometimes you'd see there'd be a kid, you know, that would climb up and he would like knock some apples down, you know, for everybody to have. Or a lot of times they would even just fall to the ground and you could pick them up or, or sometimes they'll grab, you know, some kind of stick or device or whatever to try to knock them off the tree. And as I was looking at this apple tree, I started thinking to myself, that apple tree is not straining to produce apples. There is no, listen, there is no sweat running down the bark of the apple tree because it is working so hard to try to produce apples. It's an apple tree not because you see the apples. It's an apple tree because its roots say it's an apple tree. So when it was planted in the ground, there were no apples on it. But because of the root system, and as the roots grew deeper and deeper and deeper, and they spread out, and they got more intertwined with each other, and this is a picture of what it looks like, I believe, even in the church. We go deeper and deeper, and we get connected, and we're serving, and we're in a group, and we're consistent on Sundays, and we're worshiping during the week, and we're doing all of these things that grow us spiritually. And over time, you start to see apples. And we look at it and we think, wow, that's a beautiful apple tree. I can see all the apples on it. But it's not what I can see that makes it an apple tree. It's what I can't see that makes it an apple tree. Are you with me? Your life, you can try to produce fruit all you want. But until you get your roots in the Lord, until you start diving into the Word and you start planting yourself and you get, you get in the things of God, that's when you're allowing, you're like, okay, Holy Spirit, you can do whatever you want to do in me. Do whatever you want to do in me. And he'll start to produce this fruit. And you'll start, to, you'll start to love like you've never loved before. You'll start to have joy even in the midst of situations that make no sense. You'll, you'll see, come on with somebody, you'll see, whoo, my spouse is patient now. You'll start to see this stuff produced in your life. Not because you manufactured it but because of where you decided to put your roots. Your roots really do matter. It matters. If we don't see the fruit of the Spirit in us and coming through us, maybe we need to consider this, that we don't have a fruit issue, we have a root issue. We don't have a fruit issue, we have a root issue. Some of you have been looking at the fruit and you're like, whoo, I have a fruit issue. No, you have a root issue. If you'll change where your roots are going, if you'll change where your roots are being planted in, it'll change the fruit that's being produced out of your life. We don't always have a fruit issue. Most of the time, we just have a root issue. And a Christian doesn't have to strive to produce the fruit of the Spirit. A Christian produces 
this fruit because it's his or her identity in Christ and the Holy Spirit is within them. And you can't produce these things in your life without the Holy Spirit. And so fruit is based on identity. And here's the last thing really quickly, and then we'll let you go. Second thing today is that fruit benefits others. So I mentioned earlier that there's a contrast in Galatians 5, and I love the contrast. It's flesh and spirit and flesh and spirit. And I already mentioned two different ways to live, right? There's the fleshly way to live and the spiritual way to live. There's the different outcomes or whatever. But here's also one difference that I see. I see two different beneficiaries. I see two people that bene- two different types of people that benefit from these two different ways of life, two different ways of walking, two different ways of living. Now, if you go back through here, I want to read it just one more time. One more time. Come on, it's important that we get the word of God in our heart. Starting in verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Okay, look at the look at this list. Sexual morality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing there is no law. All of the things that the Holy Spirit produces in our lives benefit people around us. Every one of them. The, the fruit tree benefits you and me. When we walk by the fruit tree, we can pick the fruit or somebody can pick the fruit and sell it to us, and we get to benefit from what the tree produced. The fruit that the Holy Spirit is producing in our lives, it's a benefit to other people. Now, I want to just spend a moment here uh, and go through these really quickly, but I want to look at each one of these and just give you like a little brief, um, oh, just what I put down as a brief way that I believe Uh, This can be active in your life, what it can look like in your life. So love is to seek another person's good, especially when that person can do nothing for you in return. There's nothing like a good mission trip to reveal what's going on in you. (laughs) When you're there to love and be the hands and feet for people that could never pay you back, never do anything in return, this is what love is. And isn't this what Jesus did? Didn't Jesus, okay, the Bible would tell us that God sent Jesus, this is how God demonstrated his love for us, that he sent Jesus into the world to die for us while we were still sinners, before we ever loved him, before we ever, he chose us first, before we ever chose him. This is what God did. And Jesus knew when I come, they can never repay me. They can never repay me. You know what our, our repayment is to God for he, like, we are his reward. We surrender our lives to him and we give everything to him because of what he did for us. But he knew they cannot repay me. I'm going to go pay the price that they owe, and they cannot pay me back. That is love. That is love. Doing something for somebody else, like, I don't expect anything in return. There's nothing else. Come on, isn't that a beautiful picture of even a marriage? A godly marriage is like, no, I love you, and I'm like, this is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something for you. I'm going to love you in this way, expecting nothing in return. But when two people are doing that for each other, that's a beautiful marriage. That's a beautiful thing. The next one is joy. I love this. The settled celebration of the soul within us, even when circumstances don't make us happy. Whew, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it doesn't look good, even when it's not making me happy, I have this settledness inside of me that I just have joy. In every season, I just have joy. We were, we, ran into, we were picking up our daughter yesterday, and there was a, a lady there who was a leader at this ministry, and I told my wife, I said, every time I see her, every time I have run into her, every time we have been up here, she is always smiling, she is always friendly, she is always whatever, and you can tell that it is not a manufactured thing, that she just lives from this place of 
you know, it's like you wouldn't even, you almost wouldn't even know if there's anything bad going on in her life. Because every time you encounter, it's, uh, encounter her, it's like there's just this joy that just flows out of her. And it's not based on everything being perfect in her life because she's a human and nothing is, not everything's going to be perfect. But she has the joy of the Lord inside of her. The next one is peace. I'm at rest even when things may be chaotic around me. It surpasses my understanding. I love what Jesus said. He said, I, my, my peace I leave you. Not peace like the world gives, but my peace. It's a peace. Paul would tell us, I believe it's in Philippians, that this is a peace that surpasses all understanding. That when you focus your mind and when you focus your thoughts, when you're thinking on these things, then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind. Come on, it's his peace that he wants to give us. The next one is patience. To be long-suffering instead of short-tempered. It's to be long-suffering instead of short-tempered. Many of us don't even like that definition because it has the word suffering in it. It's to be long-suffering. Like, I I think about Peter when he comes up, and you know something had to be going on with Peter. Was it one of the other disciples? I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us, but he comes to Jesus, and he says, how often, how many times do I need to forgive my brother, you know, wink, wink, how many times do I need to forgive this guy when he keeps doing the same thing over and over and over and over? Like, I'm losing my patience, Lord. I'm losing my patience. He said, it's seven times, you know, like he's being generous, and Jesus' response is, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. In other words, you just keep on forgiving. You just be a person that lives extending forgiveness, right? And I think about long-suffering, long-suffering with the person at work. That every Monday, after about three minutes, you become short-tempered? Come on, I'm preaching to somebody. But instead, it's like, whoo, look at what the Holy Spirit's doing inside of me. Look at what the Holy Spirit's doing inside of me. You ever prayed for patience before? How many of you know that our God is so good that he'll give you the opportunity to practice? <laughs> He's like, yeah, I want to produce that in you. But in order for me to produce that in you, there may have to be some situations where you're going to have to learn how to be long-suffering. You have to learn how to be patient. The next one is kindness, helping rather than hurting others. Thinking, what would what would it be like if the church just decided, you know, we're just going to be kind. You know, we've done that from time to time. We just do a random acts of kindness month or a day when we all met up and we just went around town, did random acts of kindness. It's just saying, you know what, today, like, I want to show you what we're about. We're, we're about helping, not hurting. Helping, not hurting. That's kindness. Goodness is virtuous acts and attitudes that advance the kingdom of God and benefit others. It's things that, that we do. That's why they're called good works. When Jesus said, let your good works, your good deeds shine out for all men so that they can see and not glorify you. Not make a big deal out of you. But based on what you're doing, these good things that you're doing to further the kingdom of God, people will notice that and they'll take notice of their heavenly father. They'll see Jesus through you. The next one is faithfulness, consistency, perseverance, and dependability. What would it look like for you to say, Man, for somebody to be able to say about you, man, that person is faithful. That person is consistent. That person perseveres. That person is dependable. That's what the Holy Spirit's producing in you. Gentleness, tenderness, and submission to God. Self-control, saying no to sin and yes to God in the midst of temptation. Saying no to sin and yes to God in the midst of temptation. When the enemy tries to bring something up or when you're tempted to get in the flesh tomorrow morning, you say, nope, uh uh-uh. I'm saying no to this and yes to God. No to this and yes to God. I'm crucifying my flesh. I'm killing my flesh. I'm going to live according to the Spirit. 
today. And I don't know if you noticed it or not, but when your life and when your attitude and when your actions are coming from this fruit, listen, it benefits everybody around you. Worship team can go and come back and help me out. It benefits everybody around you. Can you think of, and we can put them all up there. I don't have them all on one, one list today, but can you think of anything that we just talked about that is not a benefit to somebody else? It's like, yeah, if the Lord produces that in my life, that wouldn't benefit anybody. They all benefit people around you. Like, people get to eat the fruit off of your tree because you're allowing. The, and, man, what, what a picture, what a beautiful picture of a thriving church. Is that we come together in groups, and we come together on Sunday, and we come together and we serve, and we come together and do all these things, and we're just, you know, eating the fruit that's on all of our trees. Like, oh, I'm just, I'm, you know, oh, you just have so much love, and oh, you just have so much patience, and oh, you just have so much kindness, and oh, look at that gentleness, and oh, man, we're all operating in self-control, and we're just loving each other so well. Man, what, we almost, like, we almost wouldn't even recognize that, but I think that's the way that God intends for it to be that when we join together and we serve and we worship and we pray and we do all these things, we get in groups, we're in community, it's that, man, the Holy Spirit's producing fruit in you and the Holy Spirit's producing fruit in me and the Holy Spirit's producing fruit in this person and we all get to enjoy the fruit that the Holy Spirit is producing in all of our lives because we're allowing him to do it in us. But let's think for a moment really quickly on the other list. Think about some of these. I won't go through all of them, but sexual immorality is selfish and hurts others. Hatred is thinking about yourself. Dissension hurts people around you. Drunkenness is selfish and can hurt others. Fits of rage hurts people around you. And we could go on and on, but here's the contrast I see between these two, these two lists. The acts of the flesh are selfish. You know who they benefit? You. When you get in the flesh and you're acting out of your flesh, you know who you're thinking about? You. You know what it's all about whenever you do that? You. You know what, like... Sexual immorality, it's about you. It's about a desire that you have that you want to fulfill and not go to God to have it fulfilled, but you want to actually fulfill it within yourself. You know drunkenness? You know who that's about? That's about you. And I am in no way belittling anything that you're walking through in your life. But doing those things, this is what I believe the Bible teaches, that doing those things, it's, it's because I don't want to experience that. I don't want to feel that. I don't want to go there. I don't want, it's about you. But man, when you look at the other list, it's like the acts of the flesh, they're all selfishly motivated. But the fruit of the Spirit is all about everybody else. Why does the Holy Spirit want to produce love in your life for everybody else? Why does the Holy Spirit want patience? It's for your benefit. Why does the Holy Spirit want self-control? Because it benefits you. Not only does it benefit me when I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to do this, but it also benefits everybody around me. Because everybody gets to eat of this good fruit and taste and see. Whoo, taste and see that the Lord is good. Come on, that's a word for somebody today. What would it look like in your life for people around you to be able to taste and see from what's being produced in your life that the Lord is good? We have to allow the Holy Spirit to produce these things in our lives. We could say it this way, the works of the flesh cause destruction but the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit brings life. Will you stand to your feet today? The fruit of the Spirit, it brings life. Life to us, but not just life to us, life to those around us. Life to the people that we encounter. And I want to give you just two questions really quickly, and then I'll pray for you. Two questions just to think about, consider, maybe on your ride home, maybe today when you're in group this week, you might want to mention it. 
with your family. You may want to sit down and ask these questions, or maybe it's just between you and the Lord, but here's the first one. Am I trying to produce fruit in my life in my own strength, or am I following the Holy Spirit who is the producer? Am I straining to try to produce the things that I know, I know, I know that's what my life should like, should look like, but I don't know it in here. And so instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to do a work in me, I'm trying to produce something that only he can actually produce. And here's the second question. Is my life a benefit to others because I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to produce his fruit in me? Is my life, what's it like? I heard somebody frame this question this way one time. What is it like to be on the other side of you? You ever stop and think about that for a moment? What is it like for that person to be on the other side of me? What is it like for my spouse to be on the other side of me? What is it like for my kids to be on the other side of me? What is it like for my coworkers to be on the other side of me? What is it like for my church family to be on the other side of me? What is it like for the other people in traffic, come on somebody, to be on the other side of me? Is my life benefiting other people? Am I allowing the Holy Spirit to produce fruit that will benefit the people around me? And may we be people who have our roots planted so deep in God that the only thing coming out of our lives is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to pray for you. Before I do that, I want to ask you this question. As we're standing here and we're about to sing and worship one final time, I want you to ask, what is Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? But I want you to, I want you to give him permission. Sometimes we have to, the Holy Spirit is not going to force you to do anything. You have free will. But he will convict you. And he will point things out in your life. And here's my prayer is that we would be a church and we would be people that we would say, Holy Spirit, whatever you need to remove, I give you permission to remove it. And whatever you need to give me, I give you permission to give me. And whatever you ask me to do, I give you permission to ask it and I want to be obedient. Because I want this produced in my life. I want to be everything that God created me to be. So Lord, right now, we just ask as David did, maybe for some of us, to create in us a clean heart and pure hands and, Lord, to know our anxious thoughts and know the things that maybe are our selfish desires or our sinful desires. Lord, I ask you right now that you would bring those things to the surface. Sometimes you need to bring things to the surface so that you can wipe it away and we can start fresh. And, Lord, I pray that you would do that right now and we would give you permission to do that. If there's anything in us that needs to be removed that's keeping us from producing this fruit, from the Holy Spirit being able to produce this through us, God, we give you permission to do it. And we say in this room, Holy Spirit, we give you control. Every area of our lives, we give you control. We give you control. As the prayer team comes down, I just want to invite you as we sing this last song, if you need prayer for anything in your life, it doesn't matter what it is, if you need prayer for anything in your life, we want to pray with you. We all need prayer from time to time, and we want to pray with you. And so when the worship team begins to sing in just a moment, if that's you, you can slip out of your seat. You can come down and receive prayer. Receive prayer. Don't let pride keep you from receiving prayer. Sometimes we just need to, to, to step out in faith and say, you know what, God, I've been believing, I've been praying, I will step out in faith today. And I'm going to allow somebody else to pray with me and somebody else to agree with me. So, Lord, right now, we thank you for this opportunity to pray, to connect with you. 
Lord, to receive prayer for those of us that need that. And Holy Spirit, I pray that as we sing this last song, you would draw every person today who needs prayer for anything in their life. In Jesus' name, amen.